The meat of live is Christ. The meat to die is gain. Every moment in between, there'll be joy and there'll be pain. I can't worry about the future or change a thing about my past. I've got this moment to believe and I'm gonna make it last. I am filled to be emptied. This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. Father, I just praise you and thank you that you are a God who loves us so much that we can't even fathom it. We can't even understand what that love looks like or feels like. We we know it when we feel it, but but we don't know how to even describe it, to know that you love us unconditionally, that your son came and died for us when we didn't deserve it, and he rose again to conquer the grave so that we could have eternal life, and he did that at a time when we were yet enemies of you, when we were not following you, when we were not headed your way, when we didn't care what you thought, you still saved us. And we praise you for that, God, and we ask you, God, to remind us of what that love looks like and feels like every time that we turn around, God, that you would be right there showing us the kind of love that that takes so that we can have it modeled to us and be an example to others as we learn how to love the people inside the church and the people outside the church in the same way that you have loved us. We are looking for that, God, and we are asking you to share it with us. Show it to us. Make us more familiar with it. Help us to recognize it more easily. Speak to us, God, out of your love, through your word, to our hearts and our minds. And we ask God that you would remove Carrie and I from this teaching, that only your truth would pass through our lips, that if we think of anything ourselves, if it's anything that has none of your truth in it, that is quickly forgotten, but if it rings with your truth and drips with your grace, then God, we pray that you would have it take root in the heart of every person here and we would be transformed because of it, to become lovers of God, lovers of each other, lovers of those around us, and lovers even of our enemies. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are uh, at the end of a series on love, and obviously love is what the Bible is all about. Is what It's God's mission, is to help us to understand what it means for us to be in right relationship with Him and right relationship with each other, and love is the key to that. So you can imagine, we could spend months talking about this, and we are trying to distill it all in three Sundays. And so bear with us, there is a whole lot more that we could teach, but we're going to try to do our best to wrap it up by reminding you that we first taught you why we love, and the best way to sum that up is because he first loved us. And the second thing that we learned was who to love, And the best way to wrap that up is whoever's right in front of you. And now we're going to talk about how to love because we are answering that question that helps us be disciple makers that says, am I loving the one in front of me? If we are asking ourselves that question all of the time, 
We are putting ourselves in the place to have a heavenly perspective on what's happening and give ourselves a chance to love the way God loves. And we've used these cups to remind you each week that we can have storge, family love, but it cannot contain all the love that we need for every person on this earth. And we can have eros and have an intimate love with one person, but it cannot contain all the love we need in order to love every person around us. And even the highest human love, philos, brotherly love, the kind of love where we choose our family, the kind where that Don, David and Jonathan had, uh, where they were so close to each other, they almost thought the same thoughts, that human love is not even enough. We cannot contain all of the love in that. That can only be contained in the godly kind of love that's called agape, unconditional love. And when it rules the roost, unconditional love allows our philos and our eros and our storge, our closest people, our intimate ones, and our family to be loved the way they deserve to be loved, to be loved the way God loves us. And so our consider question this week is this. How can we love others as Jesus loves us? All right, we are going to be in John chapter 13. John chapter 13 today, beginning in verse 34. We're going to read the red letters today. Thank you, Jesus. As Michael said, the last two weeks we've talked about the difference between worldly love and godly love, why and who we are called to love by God, and today we're going to talk about how to love and all the things that go with that. Well, first we're going to start with the basis of that. So in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34, if you don't have a Bible, you guys can grab the one underneath the tables or use your YouVersion app, which is free. We will be in the New Living Translation today. If you guys are there, say amen. amen. All right, all right. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So let's start with the verse 34 to begin with, a new commandment I give to you. That actually, that new commandment was not necessarily a new commandment. If we look back in the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 18, God told the people of Israel to love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And we've talked about that last week, about how I am meant in a, in a polytheistic culture. Mm -hmm. yeah. My tongue got tied there. Yeah. Um, where they were worshiping more than one gods. For God to say, I am, means there's only one of me. And I am the one that you are to love. So, But to love others as much as Jesus loved others, which is what he's talking to us in this passage, was revolutionary. Right? It was different. And so Michael's going to talk about that new commandment part real quick. Yeah, because we know that Jesus never lies. And we know that when he says something, he means it. So when he calls this a new commandment, we can look back at that Leviticus passage and say, loving is not different, so there must be something else that makes it new. The first thing that makes it new is that he says to love as he loves. So that... That's revolutionary because Jesus showed us what love looks like in so many different ways. 
when he told the uh, woman who was caught in adultery to go and sin no more and, to, and released her and did not punish her in that moment. When he told the woman at the well that I am the one that can give you living water. When he washed the disciples' feet before the Last Supper. When he talked for, this is, we're in John 13. John 14, 15, 16, 17 is all Jesus teaching his disciples what that love looks like. It, that makes it new. But the other thing that makes it new is he says to love one another. He has been telling them how to love the world and showing them how to love the world. But he's now saying, you know what makes you look like my disciples? If you love each other. And that means inside the church, if we learn how to love each other first, that's new. That says, okay, we've got to make sure we've got a place to bring people where they can have the kind of community where they are loved unconditionally. And in order to do that, we have to have a community where they actually love unconditionally. Jesus is commanding us. He says it's a new commandment. It's not a new suggestion. It's not a new offering. It's not new advice. It's a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. And it, if you do this, you will show the world that you are my disciples. Right. So now we're to love others based on a sacrificial love for others, right? So in John 15, 13, it says, There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. And 1 John 3, 16, it says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. In other words, Jesus loved us so much, he gave up his identity for us. That's incredible. I, I did not know this until I did the study this week. When it says in 1 John 3, 16, that Jesus gave up his life for us, the word that's translated life there is suke. That should sound familiar because we've been talking about suke. Suke is where we get psychology. It's what... It's what causes us to make decisions it's our identity so it's not just that jesus died for us he gave up his identity for us how did he do that well it's impossible for god to die because he was fully god and fully man he had to give up his identity in order to allow for that death to happen so that he could pay the sacrifice for us and then he says now that i have done that for you i want you to do that for everyone else well, here's the issue that we have in the church as well as in the world today. We want so bad to protect our own identity, to look out for ourselves, that if in order to love someone, we have to forsake some of that, we say, no, 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 I, I have to be me. So I'm going to be me, and I, and I know you need that kind of love right now, but I'm, I can't give that to you. You're going to have to look for it somewhere else because that's not me. And Jesus says, oh, really? Because when I died as a man, that was not me me that's not who i am that's not who i was but i gave that up so that i could be that sacrifice for you and so if you are in a situation especially among the community of believers where you need to do something that's outside of your normal identity because someone needs that kind of love right now jesus is calling you to love that way and that's why we need his help doing it Right. So write down in your if you're taking notes, write down first John chapter three, sixteen through nineteen. I'm gonna read that one that verse sixteen again. We know what real love is, which Michael just talked about, is because Jesus gave up his life for us. And then if you skip down to verse eighteen, it says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. 
Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Such love was not only... We talked about this last week, too, about how love is an action, right? We live it out. It's more than just a feeling. It's an action. And such love will not only bring the not yets to faith in Jesus, those who don't know who Jesus is yet, but also keep the already strong and united in the world that is trying to tear us apart. Mm. Jesus was a living example yes. of God's love. And here Jesus is calling us to do the same and then again, in 1 John chapter 3, he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongues, but with actions and in truth. So don't just don't speak it. Yeah. Do it. It's an action. Henry Miller said it this way. The one thing we can never get enough of is love. And the one thing we never give enough is love. Something to remember. And the Bible has another beautiful description of love that we haven't even touched on, but I want to briefly read it real quick about what God says love is, and that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And let me just say it before she reads this. This is often used at weddings, but this passage is not about the love between a man and a woman in a romantic situation. What Paul is actually describing is how we should love each other inside the church. Defines real love and then shows how love works. Beginning at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice but in justice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's a tall order, isn't it? That's a tall order. But you think about those things, that is what love is. That is how it's being defined. And it's a beautiful description of what true love is. Um, like I said before, as we learned the last two weeks, love is more than simply a warm feeling. Love is an action. And you have to live it out. And we asked the question, is there someone, we asked this last week, is there someone in your life that's hard to love? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. Love is a true action that is pleasing to God. Ephesians 5.2 says, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. And then I love what he says there. A pleasing aroma to God. A pleasing aroma to God. So when we love him and we love each other, he wants to be present. It's like when you go into it, when you're walking in the, in the mall, and you get that smell. Yeah. What's that smell? Cinnabon is Ooh. somewhere around the corner. <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, bath and, not Bath and Body Works, but um, uh, what's the stuff with the lotions? and Bath, the bath and Beyond. Dude. But when you walk in the mall, in our mall, you'll smell those smells, that sweet aroma. And you're like, I've got to go in there and get some lotions and some, and some body spray, right? I, I'm still back at the Cinnabons. I don't know about well, you guys, too. but I, I'm still yeah, thinking of that. You and Steve are still at the <laughs> 11th right. commandment of yeah. feed the pastor. Feed the first. pastor, yes. He gets the uh, first 10%. Of but all think the about that. When we smell something sweet like that, or even salty like popcorn, 
Oh you yeah, movie theater. Walk into a movie theater, yeah. and you know you're in the right place. That's a beautiful aroma, and it's pleasing to us. It's pleasing to our brains. It's pleasing to our tummies sometimes, and to our bodies. And so this is just. A, I love how he says it's a pleasing aroma to God. He he sent he smells. He senses the love between us and him, and us and others. And I think that's beautiful. When we do this, we will show others that we are his disciples. Okay, and we've talked a lot about what disciples and disciple makers are here at the jar. But basically, we are set apart. We are different. And people are going to want to know what, what that means. The not yets and sometimes the already's who have forgotten what it means to love one another. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and I'll be honest with you. It is... It is difficult sometimes because we can say, we can tell them we can use words to tell them what it's supposed to look like, um, and and there's value in that. There's value in being able to describe what it's supposed to look like, but if we tell them what it's supposed to look like and then they get among us and it doesn't look that way, then that's when they start talking about the church is full of hypocrites because they walk in the door expecting to see a place of love, and what they see is a place of division a place of clicks and, and divisiveness. And what we need to do is do our best to, when we gather together, learn how to let bygones be bygones. I, I, we've probably told this story before, but my, Carrie's family was great at this. When they came to a holiday, they would all get together, and if they were fighting before that happened, when they came, if two were fighting, they went outside and they headed out and did their thing and, and learned to forgive each other and came in and then joined in the sing-along. And sometimes they'd be the two with their arms around each other's shoulders singing along to all the great hymns because they decided to let it go. They decided to say, whether you are right or, or I am right, whether you are wrong or I am wrong, we are family and we are going to love each other anyway. And there, sometimes we have to agree to disagree and love each other anyway so the world can see what that looks like. Because so often today what they tell you is, girl, get your own. Fella, do what you got to do to protect yourself. Look out for number one. There are some people that are just fake. They're fake about it even when they're doing it. There are some people that are fake even when they're doing it. And there's some value to saying fake it till you make it. Okay? Sometimes you have to fake it to, to, to get into the right frame of mind. But I would say... I would say that our job is not to decide who's being fake. Our job is to be real and authentic ourselves. So we can get so caught up in who's not authentic that we forget to, that we have to be authentic in ourselves. And so that's what we focus on. When we walk in the door, we come to give. And when we come to give, sometimes we need to come to get. That's true. But most of the time we can come to give and there's somebody in the room who needs to get and that gives us a chance to fulfill that. If we come in trying to assess the whole group and decide who deserves love and who doesn't, we've already lost the heavenly perspective. That's right. And we have already started looking at each other from an earthly perspective. That's right. The way that we avoid that is we walk in saying, God, there are hypocrites in here and I'm going to love them anyway. And I am one of them. There are fake people and I'm going to love them anyway. Because sometimes I'm the one walking in the door that has that problem. But today, I can be authentic, and I'm going to go in, and I'm going to love every person in this room. Does that make sense? What sets us apart is Jesus and the love yes. that he shows us. Yes. Right? So none of us in this room are perfect. There was only one perfect person on this planet, and that was Jesus himself. 
So to walk into any kind of gathering with Christians and think that the people in those rooms are going to be perfect, you're, you've, you've missed it. Because that's not reality. The reason we're here is because we need Jesus. That's right. We all have things that we need to work on. And when we gather together, yes, we're coming together to lift each other up, which is what we're going to talk about here in just a second. But we're also here because sometimes we need to check our hearts and our minds. Yeah. And that's why we're here every week. That's right. Is so that we can say, okay, Lord, what, what is it that I need to check off today? What is it that I need to fix in my life? Right? And, and that's why we gather. And that's why we are set apart as believers. Because the world says, well... Well, I'm not going to love that person. I don't like him. I'm not going to love him. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. But what sets us apart is that we are still united in Christ, like you yeah. stated before. Yeah, I love, I, you know, I've talked to you uh, in the very first week about the fact that there's actually like a half other love that's a, a mixture. It's philostorge. And that it's a word that Paul uses in uh, Romans 12. He says, love one another and, and uh, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And that concept of devoted to one another is that philostorge. And the reason he puts that together is, think about it, it's brotherly love. I, you and I are as close as we can be. This is the highest form of human love we can have. Connected to storge love, which says, I know they're trouble, but he's my brother. I'm going to love him anyway. And in the concept of the church, we have to combine those two to be even close to anywhere like what agape love looks like is to say, sometimes they're family and i got to love them anyway. And sometimes they're so close to me that I love them like a brother or a sister. But either way, the God that I serve loves me unconditionally, and so I am going to be an example to everyone else to love them unconditionally. And thank you for pointing that out, because I yes. feel like um, for our folks on the podcast and our folks on the radio, they're going to hear this in a couple of days. There may be some of you that are not going to church for that very yes, reason. that's right. You've been hurt by people. You have struggled with that. But I want to challenge you in the name of Jesus to not step foot into another gathering of believers until you decide that you're there for you. And then ask God to show you how you're there for others. But I think sometimes we get so caught up in wanting to look at everybody else. Yeah. That we don't want to look at ourselves and let's be honest there's a reason for that <laughs> it's called conviction yeah that's right um, so i just want to and i'm saying that in, in love in love that's right in well, love I, I challenge you to I look beyond say, the people in the room in 15 years of ministry i have heard more people come up to me after a sermon and told me who needed to hear that than i have had people come up to me and say thank you pastor i needed to hear that it, almost always it's someone who's going man I wish my husband had been here today because he needed to hear that boy I wish my wife would have, had been listening but she was back with the kids or done doing this or doing that and she wasn't paying attention I, she really needed to hear that yes but did you need to hear it what part did you need to hear and so when, whenever you are listening to a teaching or reading the scripture before you start relating it to someone else who needs to hear it ask yourself what you need to learn First. Right, and then share it with others. That's right. So the question we asked you to consider was, how can we love others as Jesus loves us? And so I'm going to give you guys a, a quick illustration. So you all have heard about the paying it forward movement. That happened probably around 2015, 2014, where you'd go through the drive through at McDonald's or the drive through at Starbucks or whatever, and you would pay for the person behind you. 
the longest such pay it forward car line in history happened at St. Petersburg, Florida Starbucks when some 750 cars kept the chain flowing over the course of two days. And so when they talked to um, the people that worked at the Starbucks, the girl that's there in the window, she said it was a pleasant surprise. Everyone likes their coffee paid for. So it was nice one customer and another customer told CNN. And then the girl that's in the window, she said it started with a 60-year-old lady. They have no idea what her name was. They have no idea if she's ever been a customer there before, but she's the one that started it, and it just kept going and going and going for two days solid to the point where CNN showed up to do a story on it. And, and as CNN was interviewing people, and you could see them, they were like, what number am I? What number am I? Mm -hmm. Oh, you're number 92. All right, yeah, keep it going, keep it going. <laughs> and it just became infectious. So all of a sudden, this community, oh, come on, I, you, this is good preaching. The whole community said, I want to be a part of that. I want this to be a part of my experience. So I am quite willing. It may be that the person behind me ordered three coffees and I only wanted one, but I'm going to be a part of that because I want to be part of something this special happening right now. On the video, one lady, she came through and she was number 59. She went, got, went home and got her son after the end, at the end of day of work. She went and picked her son up, came back through the line because she wanted her son to see that they were making a difference. And when she came back through the line, they were like number 251 or something like that. <laughs> right, right. And the son was like, woohoo! You know what I mean? And there was this big, big applause. And can you just imagine this room right now filling up to the point where we do another baptism and another person comes to Christ and they are so excited that they say, what number am I? Yes. What number am yes. I? Yes, Today, after service, we are rebaptizing Keith. Yes. And guess what number he is? Number eight. He's number eight. Number We're eight. We're excited about that. I want to get us to the place where we are impacting this community so much that we are we got the news outside because they want to know what number we're on. Yes. That's what God is asking us to do. He wants us to love people with a ripple effect that inspires others. And you don't have to be in a coffee line to do that. That's right. You know, you can constantly, here's the how, guys. Here's the how. Okay? Constantly on the lookout for opportunities to show kindness to others. Some ways in offering to help a neighbor with their groceries. Holding the door open for someone or simply smiling and saying hello and looking a stranger right in the eye. Yeah. When you go to the store and you can just see the look on their face. You can just tell by their body language that they are down. Just looking them in the eye and saying, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for checking me out today. And they may look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> but do it anyways. Sometimes just looking people in the eye. Helping people when you're too busy. Yeah. Now, there's such a thing as good boundaries. Healthy boundaries. But there are some times when God really nudges us and says... I need you to stop your business and what you're doing, and I yes. need you to help this person right now. Like Jesus and there's with a Zacchaeus. For that. Yeah. Okay. By taking time to get to know each other, that's why we do our conversations at the end of every uh, lesson. Because when you get to know someone so so well, wrinkles, faults, and all, <laughs> right? 
to the point where when you fail, when we fall down, that we know in our minds that if I fail, I know that the people that I go to the jar with are still going to love me yes. no matter what. Yes. And I am confident of that. That's the kind of church we want to be. Yes. It's the kind where they say, I know that even if I stumble and fall, they're gonna, those people are going to love me anyways. Decide on, you know, sacri- the big thing we talked about at Solid Rock, sacrificing your time, talent, and treasure. Yes. We don't ask you to put money in the giving jar or donate online so that we can put that in our pockets. We are asking you to give of your treasure so that we can continue to do the ministries that God is asking us to do here at the jar, as well as keep the electricity on and yeah. the air conditioning yeah. going so we can get there. You do want air conditioning, right? Okay. <laughs> All Amen. Right. Amen. All right. Okay, All right. so sacrificing of your time, your talent, and treasure, devoting energy to others' welfare rather than your own. And I love what Hebrews 10, 24 says, stirring each other on to love and good works. That stirring up of love instead of hatred. That is what God is calling us to do. By absorbing hurts without complaining, fighting back or seeking revenge. You know, I've used this example before, but Jen and I make it into an argument. We may have a disagreement, and I may not like her, and she may not like me very much at the moment, right? But we're going to go before God and we're going to say, Lord, where do I need to, to fix me? Right, and then we're gonna. I'm still gonna love her. I'm not gonna seek revenge on her. I'm gonna come to her. And we're we're gonna talk it out. We're gonna work it out. That's what it, that's what it's meant to be. Yeah, okay? the fifty dollar word is to reconcile with each other, but the fifty cent version of that is to get right with each other again, right. to be able to look each other in the eye again and not have animosity and tension right. uh, in the middle. Uh, easy way to say that is is to see heaven. Be heavenly and bring heaven here. Right. So love is a heavenly perspective that prompts earthly action. Love is an action. But it starts with that heavenly perspective. Correct. I love what St. Augustine says. What does love look like? It has hands to help others. It has feet to hasten to the poor and the needy. It has eyes to see misery and want. It has ears to hear the sighs of sorrows of men. That is what love looks like. What is love? Love is giving of yourself. Yes. What does love do? It gives. Do you love Jesus? What have you given? And what are you willing to give? Now, this question was brought up last week, and I think it's important for us to bring it up again. This kind of love... It's hard, y'all. Yeah, that's true. It can be hard sometimes. We may not like everyone that we come in contact with, mm-hmm. right? Because of personalities that God has given us. So sometimes this, this kind of loving is hard to do. But here's the thing. Only Christianity, and I want you to wear this with pride as a believer. Badge of honor. A badge wear, of wear honor. Wear it as a badge of honor. Yes, as, as a believer. Only Christianity of all of the religions in this world dares to proclaim God's love is unconditional. An unconditional love that we call grace. Every other religion in this world says you've got to earn it, 
You've got to do things and you've got to work hard. Otherwise, you're not going there. And you will remain a bad person and bad things will happen to you. Only in Christianity is God's love unconditional. All we have to do is believe. It's that easy. And we make it harder than that than it needs to be. But here's the thing. This kind of love that Jesus is talking about, right? And that St. Augustine and other people have talked about. This kind of love, it can sometimes be heartbreaking. It, sometimes you suffer. Sometimes there's disappointment and frustration and ex exhaustion and tears. I know we have loved people in the past. And we have given ourselves to them. And then they've come back and hurt us in a lot of different ways. We've been betrayed before by other people. We've been lied to by other people before, even though we were giving of ourselves to them and doing the love that God has asked us to do. So we've been there, y'all. We understand that. We, we know what that is. But here's the thing. It's not an easy road, but it's a satisfying one. Because there are going to be people that you do those things for, that you are going to love with the love that God in Christ has called us to, to, to do. And it's going to be satisfying. You're going to see them blossom and them grow. And you may even grow together. Those who are brave enough to do it will never turn back. Because once you allow God to use you to love others the way he loves them, you will see him in a whole new way, a supernatural way. Yes. A way that you never thought could be. Yeah, I, I, want, to, I want to follow that up by reminding you that the power does not come from you. Like we said in the beginning, the filling is not from you and the emptying is not from you. So I'm going to read 1 John 4, 11 through 13. It says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. And so it is the spirit of God in us that yes. gives us the opportunity That's to that see. That supernatural source, yes. We see heaven because the spirit is in us. We can be heavenly because the spirit is in us. And we can bring heaven here because the spirit is in us. So we're not relying on our own power. So it does take guts. But it takes guts to submit to God and let him love through right. you. Because it's not humanly possible. That's right. We're not, I mean, we've got four babies. And I can tell you right now. When you got little ones, they're precious, but boy, they come out selfish. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they learn mine, mine, early. Mine, yes. mine, me, me, yes. me. Be around a two-year-old toddler, toddler for very long, and you're going to learn that real quick, right? And we as parents have to teach them. We have to show them what it means to love other people, even if we don't get anything back in return. Because... Otherwise, they'll just continue to stay selfish and they'll continue to be all about me, mine, mine, mine. It's in our human nature. So it's humanly impossible to love the way that we're talking about here. So that's why it's a supernatural source. It's the Holy Spirit residing in us that gives us the power and the ability to do what we need to do to love others. That's right. In other words, that burden's lifted. Say, well, Carrie, you don't understand my story. I've never had anybody love me for me. Loving other people is just too hard. And I'm going to say, yeah, you're right. It's too hard for you to do by yourself. So ask God to help you with that. 
because you're not right. There is one who loved you that much. That's right. And his name is Jesus. In other words, the burden is lifted. It's not all on you. That's why it's important to humble yourself and recognize that God is in control and that he gives you the power and the ability to show his love through those words and through those actions. So how can we ever adopt God's kind of love as our own? There is only one being who loves perfectly, and that is God. Yet the New Testament distinctly states that we are to love as God does. So the first step is obvious. If we're ever going to have perfect love in our hearts, we must have the very nature of God in us. In other words, if you are not yet a believer, I challenge you today to find out what this agape love is all about. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and I promise you, he will not disappoint you. When you say yes to Jesus and accept him as your Lord and are baptized as a way of saying yes to him, you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The love of God is ours through the work of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, Peter says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, yes. for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you. This promise is for you and your children and your grandchildren and your grandgrandchildren and your great-great-great-great and beyond. This promise is for everyone. And Romans 5, 5 says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Yes. So our B for today is be empowered to love well. We have a God who loved us so much that he came to earth for us. He came for us. He didn't wait for us to get to him. He came for us. So to be as loving as he is means that we don't wait for others to come to us. We go find them. That is how he is asking us to love. And my prayer for all of you is that you receive that kind of love from him and recognize it, but that you don't become a holding place for that. You get filled with that and you let him pour you out on others. Let me pray for you. Father, we praise you and thank you that you have shown us so much in the last few weeks about what it means to love, why we love, who we love, how we love. And we ask, God, that you would just embed this in our hearts and in our minds. Help us this to become our identity so that our identity is in Christ. Father, thank you that we have this chance to start fresh. And the beauty of it is, should we fail, you because of your grace, give us another opportunity to start fresh so that we can continue. God, I know that we have often had people who, have, uh, who we have loved, who have walked away from it, and who have done things that they wish they hadn't done. And when they've contacted us, our desire has been to exactly as yours is. Come home. Just come home. Because this is where love begins in the house of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Jar with Pastors Michael and Carrie Rogers. 
If you're a believer in Christ looking for an opportunity to learn how to be a disciple maker, come see us at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Our regular gatherings start on Sundays at 4 p.m., so you can still make it to see us today. Hope to see you soon. I am filled to be 